Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Danielle Lux and Murray Boland, Managing and Creative Directors of Red Arrow Studios-owned CPL Productions, discuss adapting UK entertainment format A League of Their Own for the US and adapting to doing business in the present environment. Olga Slizarenko, Chief Producer of Entertainment Programs at Ukrainian Broadcaster OnePlus One and Head of Entertainment Production Vladimir Zavaduik, talk about how they managed to keep their local version of The Voice on air amid lockdown. But first, Emmanuel Brieguet, Managing Director of France's Lagardère Studios Distribution, explains how the company's innovating in marketing new shows, such as Swedish drama machinery, in order to get them in front of buyers why gaps in schedules present new scope for non-English language programming and demand for darker series is making way for lighter entertainment. Emmanuel also speaks with Drama Quarterly editor Michael Picard about how the second season of Finnish German co-pro Arctic Circle, which Lagardère distributes, is being rewritten to dispense with the thriller's virus-themed storyline. It's very strange period, I will say, because I'm, I'm, I, I like to see uh, uh, the good things about the situation. We didn't go to MIP, even if I like MIP, but in a certain way, it's a way of seeing people in a very short term, I mean, short period and very quick, brief and hectic, etc. And we we translate that into Zoom meetings, which last an hour, sometimes more, when you go deeper. Like if, you know, we were traveling to the countries and visiting the broadcaster and asking more about what they need, what they want, you know, more deeper conversation. So in that way, it was very positive. We were very busy because it's taking a lot of time, of course, to have all that meetings, not only in one week, huh, for sure. And the second thing positive, and it's concerned us, it's, it's that we have a lot of new stuff coming uh, we were lucky to have our two very new series, uh, Commando and Machinery, coming from Sweden and Holland, which were less impacted by the COVID for the production. So we had a slight delay, but um, most of the, the episode will be delivered like in, in the very next days. And so we have a diversity of different series coming from different territories. So it's good. Uh, but of course, the situation is that the private broadcaster, they are a little careful about the investment, sometimes slowing down totally, depending the territories. And the public broadcaster are much open. And then the SVOD are much open than, uh, than the other ones. So it's a mixture of all these things coming up after, I guess, three to four weeks, which, you know, most of the, the clients had to organize themselves. But now, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's quite busy and, and we, we try. It's funny because you need to be inventive also in the marketing. And so we, on the machinery, so the new series that we had from, from Sweden, uh, since we were not able to pitch, we decided to make, to make something between the podcast or uh, the trailer in which we hire an actor to, to, to make a, a pitch with some image behind and some wording coming as if we were pitching, I mean, actually even more, as if we were pitching to the clients directly. And I think, you know, it's good to have that kind of initiatives. On Commandos, we have the actors also making a few, uh, a, a small speech in his own words about the, the interest of the series. So, yeah, we try to be innovative in the marketing, so it's quite uh, interesting. But business-wise, I will say that we, we begin to have certain confirmation, but most of the confirmation will happen in the next weeks. So, so I guess, yeah, so you, you've 
had some challenges to continue doing business but it sounds like you've been like you say quite inventive and, and managed to yeah. you know to still do meetings and have those relationships yeah. with buyers it's like as if uh, the only thing is that for sure we need to to have a stop at one point because the human contact face to face in the in a location because you know the the sales is of course a good seller is a good program but it's also that personal relationship sometimes even of trust relationship when you have that discussion trying to convince but also having the good uh, the, the the strong relationship you have with the broadcasters or with the clients and and zoom because it's freezing from time to time or because you have different kind of difficulties it's not exactly the same so for the time being it's fine no problem but it's really a a, a, a job of contacts and 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 seeing people so um it, it's you know we, we need to get back at one point and and then also we had that discussion but i think it's still an ongoing discussion about how the content would need to change because of what's happening to us i will say that the first thing very um immediate that we ha we faced is you know we we distributed last year a series called arctic circle which is about a virus uh, co-pro between Finland and Germany. And we were working on, on the scripts on the season two, which were, again, from, about a virus. And then we stopped the virus thing and we find something else. And yeah, I guess maybe people need to see some other kinds of series. And, and I'm not saying that it's all, only feel-good series that they will need to watch, but for sure the virus thing maybe for sometimes they need some space but it would be very interesting to see how the production and, and the editorial will eventually change uh, in the next month or so uh, the main broadcaster which which is a, a svot service in, in finland decided i mean made the first move for sure concerning that but yeah the idea is in a year will you like to see a series about virus again after what because there's a big shock around what we're living right now and if we didn't realize it today we will probably realize in the next month. Um, so, you know, I, I think there will be some change and, and we'll see how it goes, uh, but it's difficult to anticipate. It's true that we are all focused. I mean, being part of a production company, we are all focused about how to start again the production uh, as you have in the UK as well. And, and so what are our buyers telling you at the moment? Are they looking for kind of uh, optimistic hopeful series comedies light entertainment or are they still looking for those sort of dark dramas that obviously were very no. popular up to this point uh, I, but i will say that the dark thing was already a subject for the past months or so because the scandinoir for example is less uh, successful than it used to be and and we had that feedback from the buyer say oh i don't want to be uh, too too dark with that little girl disappearing in the woods very dark and and you know very bloody and we we started already with arctic circle which was i mean there was a murders and there was some blood for sure but it was we we call it like white scandy uh, because first it was in, in Lapland, but also because it was much more emotional and light. I mean, the screen already was light, I mean, and because of the landscape. And we decided for, from last year to, to continue in that field. Feel good sometimes, but also some different stuff which are little less dark than used to be. That, that, that trend for me exists al already. What I can see as well, because you're talking about light entertainment, is that uh, we have uh, certain comedy series and certain that we like very much and which were not so easy to sell because it was comedy and we know that comedy is traveling less uh, internationally and 
we begin to receive offer for this kind of series. They, they, people need to watch some stuff which are, of course, very strong, you know, but um, yeah, more entertainment, entertaining than, than the usual series. Um, but at the same time, as I mentioned, we have the machinery uh, and the machinery is not a light series, but it's not a Scandinoir. It's coming from Sweden, but it's more like a fugitive pitch. A series with a man on the run seems to be like a huge success on Viaplay, from what I heard, and the interest is very strong. So, and it's it's more uh, more traditional series, but once again, the darkness is not there for sure. How do you just assess the market for drama and non-English language drama? How have you seen interest and demand for kind of local language dramas, particularly now? Is it something that is you know is language no no longer an issue when you're pitching a show? I will say that in the right moment that we're facing right now, maybe there's some new opportunities in certain ter- territory or broadcaster that could be more reluctant until now because they will need to find some content. Um, so we, we, once again, I try to be positive in this very crazy period, but try to see some opportunities. And, and the discussion we're having, let me think that there will be some opportunity for sure. With a lot of international series being put on hold while people aren't traveling and and you know actors can't move directors can't move you can't move locations i guess internationally do you think that opportunity will come in broadcasters looking for sort of more local language series more domestic dramas from outside the uk and the us that they can use to fill those slots i mean i, I will say that they will be probably more open open minded in a certain way because they need content they need new stuff but they will focus of course on on the strongest they won't not going to buy something which is not too european you know rt series for a commercial broadcaster because broadcaster they have so many content that that they receive that sometimes they are very selective selective like okay oh it's american oh it's english okay that's fine and oh, oh it's french Ooh. you know I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit because it's not exactly that and and now because we have certain success coming from france from spain or elsewhere they are more open but it's true that maybe they will have more time and uh, once again open-minded to 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 watch a little bit what we have and and then don't forget but that's as a second step as well what is working a lot but it's nothing related to covid for sure is the remakes um because what's working more and more it's the adaptation of european series in the us in the uk or elsewhere and that's a strong very strong market now for us more and more we, we're making a lot of, of deals and that begins to yeah to transform themselves so it's good finally i mean how do you see the business and your business kind of moving forward over the next sort of six months it's true that we we are expecting in the next yeah weeks or months to the thing to to move because we once again we we were all in shock uh, we we have to say that all in shock and most of the broadcasters they they have that bad result in terms of advertising revenue so every everyone had to face that and to how to work etc and we can see now that everybody is looking a little bit in front and so what's going to happen and, and looking for new content. So it's very active. But what is important is to make some contract and deals. So we'll see. Emmanuel Bouyergay from Lagardère Studios Distribution. UK-based CPL Productions, part of Germany's Red Arrow Studios Group, debuted sports-themed entertainment format Game On in the US on CBS recently, a version of the firm's James Corden-fronted Sky series, A League of Their Own. 
CPL Managing Director Danielle Lux and Creative Director Murray Boland told Clive Whittingham where they were with the show when the pandemic hit, how together with Harry Hill they managed to score a commission from Channel 4 for Matt Lucas' lockdown show Reasons to be Cheerful and the challenges facing such broadcasters and producers as a result of the current crisis. It fell at a time we just finished... Um uh, League of Their Own in America, which is called Game On. So we were they were we were editing that, you know. And then our biggest shows are at the other end of the year. So there were only two, I think, productions that we were literally in the middle of making, physically shooting, that we had to call a halt to. But otherwise, quite a lot of our stuff we'd already shot, or we're planning to shoot at the other end of the year. So um, thankfully, have only had to down tools on a couple. How has it changed things for your company day to day? From a kind of global perspective, I mean, obviously everybody is tackling home working, which has real upsides. You're hearing a lot of people saying, I much prefer working like this, but a lot of downsides as well. You know, we're in a business that's all about communication and people. And I sometimes feel like you had one arm tied behind your back doing all these Zoom meetings. I mean, it's lovely and convenient but you can't get a feel for what's going on talking to writers or talent or commissioners. It's different. It's very different. We're lucky that some of the productions, as I say, they know how to do all the remote editing and remote working and producers can do all that. It's a brilliant time for development. So I would say we, we focus down on development uh, right now because it's a perfect time to do it. And obviously we're all, thinking about what the future is going to look like for the next six months and the next, you know, six years. So it's a good time to think and listen and look, but it isn't, it isn't as full of productions as we would have had it. Curiously though, um, like money has really drained away from broadcasters because advertising has disappeared at the same time that they've got massive gaps and need to commission loads than they normally would. But so it's a, it's kind of a very exciting time in a way, despite the fact that a lot of the things that you're pitching for are, are tiny budgets. And normally most broadcasters would have um, put their entire schedules for the year to bed. And um, certainly with the bigger channels, you can see they are they cannot get beyond the autumn really in terms of what they're thinking about because they've got holes everywhere and different shows are turning out not being able to deliver every day. So they're having to sort of amend what they're doing on a pretty regular basis. And all that's clear is they need it. They need hours to fill. It's just how they're going to do it. So that's kind of exciting. And you can see that the spring of next year, you know, there seem to be a lot of opportunities for that. You know, how much money there'll be, I don't know. But um, from a development perspective, there's a lot, there's a lot to chase. It's interesting, as Murray's saying, because the opportunities are coming through in uh, entertainment and comedy end because people are not able to do scripted comedy and drama in, and the production period is so long on those shows. Whereas you can get big audiences, uplifting programs and a far quicker turnaround on the kind of shows that we make, you know, to fill gaps say this autumn actually it shifted the business in an in a kind of really interesting way you got a matt lucas um series away during this crisis i think can you talk a little bit about that pitch and and how you've uh, how you've gone about producing it well first of all the credit for that has to go to harry and mob who who run knit with us um, they they really did all the legwork on that, but it was um, uh, it was hilarious that time because I'm sure you're aware of this. There was that flurry for lockdown show. 
everybody was sort of trying to scrabble for a different lockdown uh, show. And funnily enough, very few of it ultimately got commissioned. But Harry, um, probably, when it comes to making, doing comedy with clips, I think he is the best. He's probably the best in the world at it, actually. And um, he, he ended up being one of the few people to, to actually get one of those shows off the ground. And also, in the hardest way, a comedy show, you know, the fast turnaround, and the budgets were really, really minimal. But so there was an awful lot that the channel really invested. They knew Harry could absolutely deliver uh, a show of that kind. But can I, oh, it was also very much uh, sort of down to Murray's insight. Really quickly, I remember Murray having a conversation with you in lockdown, and you said, We're going to do, we need to focus on lockdown for this amount of time, and then it will be over. And you were, uh, not that lockdown will be over, but the desire for those programs, you, you were really quick at getting that everybody, all the companies focused on it, and I, as well as the talent of Harry and Mob. I think that was really kind of smart and swift strategic thinking about what we were going to focus on that got us. Those shows. Oh, thank you. There were some UK controller sessions uh, a week or so back from Edinburgh. Some pretty bleak stuff came out of there. Ian Katz saying Channel 4 are going to have to make television for a lower tariff than they've ever made television for before. As a production company that works with Channel 4 and the other UK broadcasters, how are you looking at things sort of into the medium term now? It might feel like that for Channel 4, but there are people, there are broadcasters or SVODs who are gaining viewers. So whilst you've got to look at the kind of whole galaxy of uh, broadcasters in whatever shape or form they are and say, where can we expand to? And the other thing is you can't turn the tide back. This is a reality. So we have to work out how to deal with it. And in some cases that might be working out how to make shows more cost effectively. Um, you know, and I don't know, Murray, if it, it rings a bell with you, but I always think about when we started CPL and it was in the middle of the recession and we heard all this stuff, all, no one's got any money and the BBC's got nothing and Channel 5's closed and Channel 4's got no money. And of course, but we were born in that. This company was born in the middle of that. And I think one of our assets is being really able to adapt and to respond to the market so it doesn't phase us in that way i don't think but also i mean this is the thing we're, we are kind of lucky that we've reached a stage now where we do have quite a lot of good returning shows but the the tendency uh, in an environment like this is just purely to go along with that and try and deliver against really low tariffs. And that is not necessarily always the right thing to do. And it's certainly not the thing that has worked for us because um, at the end of the day, you'll thrive if you make good television programs. And that is really what we've managed to get by on. Our shows are good, you know, and they do tend to come back. And um, at a certain point, you have to be judicious about what you go for and and not overpromise, and and at the same time, not try and, just do something because you know I, I think a lot of people who would have attempted those kind of lockdown shows for the kinds of budgets they were talking about inevitably ended up making very bad television and nobody nobody's going to say thank you for it and um so we really do believe in putting as much as we possibly can behind the shows that we make and it's 
that is what's worked for us. Let's talk about Game On, which is on CBS. It's a, it's a US version of A League of Their Own, which uh, is a show a lot of us are familiar with. What's the difference between making a show like that in the UK and making it for US? James Corden and Ben Winston first sort of approached us about doing League over there. And um, uh, it was really hats off to, to, to both of them. I mean, the great thing about League of Their Own is it's, it's genuinely uh, a hybrid entertainment panel show. And um, it's much more kind of large scale entertainment than most other panel shows are. So that's kind of lent itself very well in America because they do dial testing and all that. And all the big kind of challenges that we did, they're the things the audience love. So it's, it's very much that. And we tweaked the, 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 the whole uh, competition. So it's become very much a head-to-head -head between the captains because you couldn't really just accept it as a quiz. Just the idea of two teams facing off for a quiz wouldn't really mean much in America unless you're winning a massive prize. So it's very much become a challenge show between two titans from the world of sport. And it seems to work quite well because of that. So there are subtle changes if you're to describe them. But if you watch the show, you probably won't feel it's very similar. You know, this, you'll recognise the games, but it's, it's, it's a massive big challenge show. Can I ask what you see, how you see that show on both sides of the Atlantic existing in this new normal? Because it's a physical game show, it's got a studio audience. I mean, as we look over the next 12 months, and you obviously want to make more versions for both Sky and CBS, how are you going to go about that? For CBS, I think they would want to be starting Game On. If they wanted to bring it back, they'd be bringing it back in the new year. I think they'll be doing it with an audience. So, um, and it would probably need one. You know, in the sense that with the UK shows here, there's a lot of talk. So there's a lot of just banter and all that kind of stuff. So that works. But if you're doing all those challenges and things like that, I think it's certainly better if you feel there's a bit of an audience. In the UK, we're doing an awful lot more to try and make these things work. And whereas in America, as we understand it, basically most studio shows have just stopped. And that until, there's, until restrictions are lifted, significantly it will stay like that but i think in britain the the, the opportunity to do stuff is, is much much more open what's the biggest thing that's keeping you guys awake at night at the moment what's the biggest concern for for your production company well look i mean i think there are lots of practical concerns that i think keep us uh, on our toes and worried all the stuff about the industry and how television is going to pan out, you know, we've discussed, but, you know, the big, big things really are, God forbid anybody should actually get ill, and even worse, that that should be caused by us, that would be, you know, so the protocols for how we resume production out of lockdown are something that we worry about and consider and think about very, very carefully, because we're all in that kind of slightly rosy glow of the diminishing uh, number of deaths, etc. But we need to keep that the case you know and i think there are a lot of practical concerns around things like starting up production and having to stop again no production insurance at the moment will cover you and i guess the worst thing the thing uh, that we hope is that our shows fall into the sweet spot when lockdown lifts and the virus is contained and you know god forbid it picks up again in the autumn that is one of the things that one has to consistently consider and worry about not only as a human being, but also for Murray and I running the production company. Danielle Lux and Murray Boland from CPL Productions.
Ukrainian broadcaster OnePlus One last month successfully completed its latest season of The Voice amid lockdown conditions, a world first for the format, relying on Zoom, remote audiences and virtual hosts. While some viewers thought the result ended up looking like an episode of Black Mirror, the company's now taking the lessons from that experience into the next season, as well as its version of Dancing with the Stars. Gunnar Hughes heard from OnePlus One chief producer of entertainment programmes Olga Slizarenko and head of entertainment production Vladimir Zavaduik, the latter through a translator. Uh, of course, oh, uh, we were hoping to the last moment that we would be able to have three live shows. But we realized that we could have only one. And what we did to prolong the life of the show, still the government somehow will ease the restrictions. So we divided the knockout episodes. We divided two episodes into four. So this is we prolonged the life of the show on air uh, because we didn't want to make a pause and uh, put something else in the programming schedule because uh, we wouldn't be able to get the audience back. And we also did some um, special episodes with uh, people who were in the previous voices and who became uh, stars. And it also worked very well. And uh, it was just uh, cuts of different performances from the previous uh, voices. So we had only one chance to do the live show and we had 20 participants in this live show. So it was quite a big challenge and Vladimir will tell you about all the other challenges. So what was remarkable this season is that all our work basically took place in Zoom and uh, this, is what, this was the first time that preparations for our uh, live show took almost three weeks that we, we actually didn't, uh, haven't had anything like this before. So the main idea for us, like the, 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 the theme of the live show was like uh, self-isolation. That's why all our moves were dedicated to like to keep this main theme. This was the reason why we built this cube scene. It was special, it was made specially for this live show and all staff and uh, participants have been divided and worked separately. Even our hosts, they were on air like holograms. Uh, yeah, and what was cool as well during this live show is that we have used a lot of like innovations and different technologies uh, that haven't ever been used anywhere in the world. Among them is like virtual reality. It was a special effect called Night, which is usually used for different premies and other like events, uh, award events. And we realized that uh, support of families and of TV audience is very important for our participants as well. So again, one of the like innovation move, move from our side was virtual support yeah, of the audience via Zoom. Some people said that uh, our uh, this move was like a second episode of Black Mirror, and uh, we've been uh, even asked whether we were like uh, inspired by this second episode but okay of course we know this series but actually we we understood that it's quite similar to the second episode only after we aired uh, our live show given the the, the the show itself or the format of the show was modified how did this affect the costs of the show talking about the voice uh, the final the super technology technological final well it costed us uh, less 
compared to the live episode last year. We had no audience, uh, we had uh, less rehearsals, we didn't have uh, any additional uh, dancers, etc. And uh, so, of course, the crew itself uh, were reduced dramatically. So it was two times two time, uh, less people than normally in the pavilion. So it also uh, influenced the cost. And uh, of course, we are forced to reduce all our budgets. So uh, we're working on Dancing with the Stars, season number four at the moment, and it demands fantastic efforts to do the right budget to fit the certain economic situation that we're facing at the moment. How are you modifying Dancing with the Stars? Because other countries have put those sorts of shows on hiatus because it, it involves lots of contact. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on actually, we are still developing both scheme, like with the real audience and with virtual virtual audience. We are planning to use uh, audience via Zoom and other like uh, digital things in the future. And actually here in Dancing with the Stars, we still have some hope that uh, we will have at least like a small amount of uh, people in the studio but if we don't have them we are not refusing of having digital things and virtual audiences and what we are gonna do is using virtual reality in our following shows because nowadays it's very important and it's very modern to use like to implement different digital things into the real performances. We mean not virtual, but augmented reality, AR, not VR. Yeah. And can I ask you about, in terms of your forthcoming slate, of which Dancing with the Stars is, is being developed, what do you see as the challenges for you, let's say, from the fall? Well, basically, we don't have uh, much changes uh, for this fall, because most of the reality are already done are already filmed and they are in the editing process. Last week, the government allowed uh, to shoot a TV series with the teams up to 50 people, which is okay for a film crew and for TV series crew. The biggest challenge at the moment is, of course, Dancing with the Stars, as it involves live audience, which is very important for the show. End of August normally is launch of the first episode. Will The Voice 11, season 11, come back with these additions or how do you how do you see voice 11 drawing from your experience now so we completely understand that all shows in the future will change and uh, we are like working on it and we already think about the concept for our 11th season and what we know for now for sure like we are we are developing uh, a separate platform for completely online casting this will be the first time we will use only online online casting for our participants. Olga Slizarenko and Vladimir Zavaduik from OnePlus One in Ukraine. That's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 